Jibuki parentheses, just because we killed J- MLK doesn't mean we can't miss him uh, from Twitter. Um, uh, more famously from The Daily Show, but yes, Jibuki from Twitter. No, not, not for me. Not for you, no. Jibuki for this extremely online motherfucker over here. Jibuki from Twitter. Um... Doesn't know who Nathan Lane is, but can quote Jibuki tweets. Um, Man, I hate that. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> what that says about me. Welcome to Demas Chicken Wraps Presents Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Dima. This week, we become a true crime podcast as we discuss Hulu's only murders in the building. Before we get started, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, and following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla... Aaron. How do you feel about true crime? I actually, I don't like it. That's the thing. I feel like neither of us are big true crime people. Nope. I think it's invasive. Uh, I think it's sometimes presented pretty tactlessly. And I have seen multiple uh, people related to victims of true crime say that they don't like having their family's story publicized in the way that it's being publicized. Um that being said, do I think it's impossible to do it tactfully? No, I just think that the a lot of the content that's out there is um maybe not great. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we both come down kind of the same place, which is like a lot of that, you know, especially the, the kind of stuff that the show lampoons, which is like people like actually starting to try to investigate, you know, real people's real murders. Like, that's a little bit much. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there is definitely an element of like, oh, it's entertaining to try to to figure out a case. But yeah, there is a little bit of a ghoulish aspect uh, in true crime that, you know, makes me not not really a big fan of it. Also, I'm just not a real real mystery guy. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, Nancy Drew, the Hardy Boys. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about our own set of Hardy Boys, um, specifically Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. Uh, and... Um, why did we why do we want to do only murders in the building actually I, I can't remember because I remember a coworker recommended to me when it, when the first season was airing last year and it sounded interesting um and you know the cast is is already like kind of a big hook um but yeah I, I was very I was just like you know we needed something to fill um we need a new TV show and this is like something that is very far outside of our our normal niche we basically never do mysteries and we we very rarely do stuff that's like grounded in like like this kind of like live action but also like like you know ostensibly takes place in the real world sort of stuff so like this is a very this is a big departure from mortified uh that said i think it was definitely a fun one and and i'm glad we watched it yeah i had a great time we'll get into how great of a time each of us had uh Mm -hmm. in our talking points but for now do you want to summarize uh what happened yeah, um, it's let's let's give it a shot. So basically, um, we got three characters: uh, Charles Hayden Savage, Oliver Putnam, and Mabel Mora. Uh, that is, of course, our Steve Martin, our Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, um, who are all people who live in this swanky New York apartment building. Uh, and one night, um, the a fire alarm goes off. Everybody leaves the building, uh, and they realize that one of the people in the building has been killed. Uh, ostensibly, it's a suicide, but these three characters charles oliver and mabel are also true crime heads um so they decide to start their own true crime podcast to investigate this uh this apparent suicide but they because they saw this guy go in an elevator they think it was actually a murder um and basically they start investigating it um and we start to learn a lot of secrets about each of these three people like mabel actually was used to be friends with tim kono um who is the the murdered guy um but then like you know, there's a bunch of weird twists and turns. At one point, Sting is involved. Um, but in the end, it turns out that Charles's um, bassoon-playing uh, girlfriend, who also lives in the building, was the person who did it, and they saved the day. And it's great. Um, and that, that kind of it was a quick summary, but like a lot of it is character work and um, you know, kind of kind of filling in the spaces between. Um, and I think that's where the show is strongest. You know, I think the mystery itself is fine. Um, I think that's probably kind of the thing with all mysteries. 
uh, is that the the process of solving it is is much more interesting than the actual mystery itself. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was great. Yeah, um, I, I I do think yeah they go down a lot of uh, false false pathways for a little mm-hmm. while, but it was fun to like follow along and and see everything only from their perspective. And there were moments. Um, there's a moment where they discover a bassoon cleaner in the murdered guy's sex toy box, and I knew what it was. I knew that that was some sort of woodwind cleaner, um, and like it was fun to stand there folding laundry and go, <gasps> like you know, be be kind of clued in. So I thought that was really fun, and and the show wasn't like self serious enough that it felt dramatic parentheses uh serious it was like dramatic parentheses entertainment value so yeah it was, it was yeah, a really good time yeah for for a show that is ostensibly about a grisly murder um you know it's got a pretty light tone it is billed as a comedy um and, and it is genuinely very funny so um yeah i i liked it quite a lot um let's to to, to dig into why we enjoyed it shall we talk about our, our characters uh starting with uh mr steve martin steve martin did a great job uh charles hayden savage is a a uh, retired actor who used to be a cop on TV. He was Brazos. Brazos. Uh, and um, he is a loner. And uh, our big... So all three characters struggle with loneliness in some way. They have some big secret to hide. His is that his girlfriend left him. Um, and uh, with her went her little daughter, Lucy, who he had grown really attached to. Um, so he's been by himself and cooking Lucy's favorite omelet and throwing it out for like years now um but yeah he is i i thought he was great um the entire show has this thing where like some of the dialogue's a little bit contrived and it almost plays like do you remember when willie's wonderland we were like this is a video game movie because the Mm -hmm. protagonist just walks into a room and people start monologuing at him yeah it was like that like especially with mabel's mom there's a scene where the two of uh, martin short and steve martin walk up to her and she just starts like trauma dumping (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um but i mean like it's steve martin and martin short so they're funny so it worked mm-hmm. yeah i i think that's a fair a fair criticism there is a lot of trauma dumping that just spontaneously happens uh in the show but like listen you got to suspend your disbelief and i think it, it ultimately served the plot um yeah i, I like charles uh, as, as a character I, i'm i'm a sucker for a sad old guy um you know i think that there, there's a very like one of the things that we didn't get resolved because we only watched season one um was that like it seems like he's dying uh which was my, my first um character note about him because like his nose is always bleeding um and in the middle of uh, episode four he starts hallucinating bugs bunny and porky pig uh in a way that i was like oh this man has memory issues um, and his nose is bleeding, and he, he, at one point, um, Selena Gomez's character is like, oh, is it cancer? Because you have to tell me if it's cancer. Um, and it's like, I think I think there probably is something wrong with him, um, but, like, you know, I, I think it's, they, they leave a little bit about every character still mysterious, which I think is smart, you know, that that's how you keep people people hooked but overall i thought he had a a very good performance i think he was a very convincing like sad old guy who's like sort of trying to make connections again like especially his relationship with jan the you know the murderer for for a long time like (laughs) i think he was such a funny old man when he's always just like uh yeah you know like they they have a very sexy uh scrabble game where they're like trying to like sext each other over scrabble and it's like the worst thing ever because it's so gross but also it's very funny um, or like he like asks how to sign a text text messages because he's trying to text Mabel and him and Oliver are like oh should we call they're like oh they don't the young people don't like phone calls um, how should I how should I sign my text to her and then, <laughs> and then it cuts to her receive the text and it's like aloha Mabel and it's like all right yeah he's a very funny old man I think he does a great job there is a bit at the end where it gets like kind of like slapstick like Steve Martin does physical comedy in a way that I was like all right I guess you did create the show steve you get to do your dumb stunt here but like yeah i think charles is a pretty good you know main character i miss i'm a big fan of physical comedy i kind of miss it i think it's part of the reason why i like the sonic movies so much it's come jim carrey just does really good physical comedy 
Um, but yeah, and you bring up you bring up the flirting. I really liked the um him playing the concertina to Jan while she played the oboe back, and it was like, um, I forget what what exact order the songs went in, but she started, um, at one point. She started playing Do You Think I'm Sexy? And he started playing Take Me Out to the Ball Game in Return. Yes. And, like, I thought that was so fun. Like, me and yeah. who, you know? <laughs> Listen, uh, aspiring Layla Quarters, take notes. Um, how do you feel about Oliver? I'm a th- look, I'm a, th- I'm a theater kid, right? Like, I know yeah. I've, <laughs> I've met so many Olivers. I know people who are going to grow up to be Olivers. Um, I think he's a riot. I think one of the best character choices they made was, um, having a flashback to him and he had his hair in a ponytail. It was like 17 years before the story starts. And also he, (laughs) every time like anything comes up, he groups himself with Selena Gomez to be like, what did he say? Put the weight on the youth. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, um, you know, Oliver, his whole thing is that he's, like, kind of a failed, washed-out theater pro- director, producer. Um, Like, his, his biggest flop was a show called Splash the Musical, and th- the reason that it flopped was because, like, they had, they had like, a, a pool built into the stage, but, like, the opening night, like, the, the floor didn't descend to reveal the pool, so all the chorus boys uh, dived one after another uh, and just smacked and hit the floor. Uh, and, then, and then when Charles is like, all of them? Uh, Oliver's like, those chorus boys tend to stick together. Yeah, one of the funniest <laughs> lines I've ever heard. So fucking funny. But yeah, no, uh, there's also like some, some fucking... Like he, he he talks about how he was like billed to produce singing in the rain too, also, which is just like a bunch of very funny like concepts for a failed. Um, what was the other one? Tuesday at Bernie's. Tuesdays at Bernie's, <laughs> which is a mashup of Tuesdays with Maury and Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and he said he used a real corpse for it, which is how he knows what formaldehyde smells like. Yes, so fucking funny. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think as a character, he's, I, I hate him because, I mean, no, I think as a character, he's great. As a person, I hate him. Like, I would hate to have to talk to him in, in any way. Another funny character trait of his is that he never eats real food it's only ever dips and hummuses um and like to a degree that like everybody around him knows <laughs> like the the landlord at one point when when oliver comes in to like ask them ask him to sponsor him uh he like the landlord signs to his um son who who uses asl and is deaf um like hide the hummus he has a problem <laughs> which is just like i think that's just such a funny character choice to be like i will only eat hummus because <laughs> he says it's efficient you use your fingers and containers yeah he's a nightmare person uh oliver's great um i mean like i don't know that his um his like story that like he's always borrowing money and he's always needs money is like that interesting but it worked into the plot in a way that i was like okay this is fine um and like his relationship with like his estranged son is pretty cool his son who is a vet um and you know i I liked all that i like oliver yeah yeah he, he gave a fun performance um i thought selena gomez as mabel was great Yes, I think I think Mabel's my favorite favorite character. Um, not just because she is like almost exactly our ages, but and, and also you know I have a lot of goodwill built up over you know watching her from over the years with with her work on Wizards of Waverly Place. You know, yeah, you know, big yeah, Selena. Selena is part of our, my childhood at least, so I, I'm glad to see that she is still working. Um, my wife told me that she like got lupus or something at some point, and that's why she had to stop. Like she had like a, a crazy disease. Um, but like, you know, I really liked her character as Mabel. I think she, she delivers her lines. Like Mabel has this weird persona that she's like very stilted and like kind of stiff. Um, maybe not stiff, but like she, she comes off the way that her, her lines are delivered that, that does seem like restrained in a way that, that I really liked. I liked the character choice that she made. And I mean, I think as a character, Mabel's really cool. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. So she uh, had lupus. She underwent a kidney transplant because of oh the lupus. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, in 2015. Oh, th- what I know about her is that she's a bipolar queen. Oh, yeah. congrats. We love we love uh, people with bipolar disorder. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's lovely of her to, like, 
she talks about it very openly, which is rare. Like bipolar is yeah. one of the more stigmatized yeah. uh, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice when a celebrity, especially a really well liked one, right? Like Selena, Selena Gomez is very popular. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 good of her to do that kind of um, that kind of be be that open about it, right? And and just mm-hmm. be out there. No. Um, but in terms of Mabel, um, I just thought. You always kind of run into a risk, right, where, like, when you have a show that's clearly written by older people, when they write young characters, they can kind of be, like, not true to what younger people or people our age are like. Yeah. But I have a feeling Selena Gomez had a lot of creative say in this, especially because yes, there's a lot like of, it. like... There's interviews out there of her, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, and they talk about how she, like, teaches them slang on set, and she's like, yes. they're so old. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's, um, there's jokes in the, sh- the thing where they're, they're trying to say the word rando, and, like, Oliver's like, a rando is a person of little significance or little merit, and then Charles is like, yeah, I got that from context clues, idiot. But, like, <laughs> yeah, th- there's a lot of, like, jokes about slang and being young and, you know, using technology that, like you know, do make sense. And they're, they're like current enough to the the modern era that it seems like, yeah, it seems like at least somebody who is younger got a hand on the ball. Yeah. There was random. There was, there was some other one, um, but it was like, like it, it felt natural. Right. And it felt like mm-hmm. a young person. Definitely. I would, I would, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was one of those things she taught them on set and then they kind of ad libbed it into the script or edited it into the script. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it felt very like truly, Three nerds met in a diner booth. Now they're friends, and it's like, it's just fun, right? Like it's it's a fun little trio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think they're great. I think I think Mabel does have to do a lot of the heavy lifting emotionally here because, like, you know, her relationship with Tim Kono, the the deceased, like, is a is a central plot point um, to the whole season. Um, so we do have to get a lot of like Mabel's backstory and the history with her and Tim and uh, Oscar and Zoe also, um, which were like her four friends that you know tra- uh, traipsed around the Arconia. But um, you know, despite that, I think she does do- just have some really shining moments, and I just I loved her as a character. I thought she was great. Yeah, uh, I also really liked all the uh, the way she was styled in the show. All her outfits were really really good. Yeah. Um... <laughs> God, I just. <laughs> <laughs> when they are recapping the show at like the last episode um you know she's talking about her great yellow jacket uh and then oliver's like and then we had that moment about your beats because the first thing he says to her she's like wearing her beat headphones is he like looks at her the oliver and he's like do you like your beats uh and she just kind of looks at him and then looks away <laughs> it's just he's, like extremely good he had a pair of yellow ones that died Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hysterical so next up on our list is tim kono the uh, murdery mm-hmm. uh the victim so I-, I really like the beginning of the show because no one likes tim kono yes Very he funny. is a finance guy a bit of a dick and you find out that that's kind of how him and mabel became friends because she was like he was mean but he was honest like you know he'd never lie to you mm-hmm. um and so we got a lot of fun flashbacks of like mabel and tim bonding and then you know introducing oscar and zoe um but yeah tim i i thought it was interesting we got his narration at the last episode like this show is grounded in reality but there is like a surrealist element to it that Mm -hmm. i think makes helps the comedy element of of the like grim subject matter yeah um i thought yeah i thought anytime he was on screen he was he was a good time yeah, definitely. I, I like the. I think they they only do the narration like at the very opening of every episode. I think they get like different people's perspectives, um, from from you know at, at the beginning and like that kind of colors how the episode goes. Like we'll talk about that with Theo, um, in episode seven. Um, but yeah, no, I think Tim Tim was effective. Right, they they set him up as an asshole, but like you know because of the history that him and Mabel have, you kind of start to feel for him. Um, and then you also get like hit the complicated relationship he had with uh, Oscar and Zoe. Um, basically, what you need to know, listener, is this that there is a separate murder slash death that happened at the the building like ten years ago. Basically, Mabel and her four friends, um, including Tim Kono, you know, were at a New Year's Eve party, and her friend Zoe. Um, got pushed off the top of the building. Uh, her boyfriend at the time, Oscar, was arrested and sent to jail for it for 10 years. But Tim saw somebody else arguing with her, you know, that night. And that's like the whole the whole mystery. They're trying to figure out like, you know, what happened. And, you know, Mab- Mabel was trying to figure out what Tim 
knew that he could have said that could have got Oscar off the hook. Um, and that's like kind of a separate side plot that kind of weaves together with, with the, um, the first, well, I don't know. I guess we'll talk, we can talk about how the, the two, the A plot and the B plot go to come together, but like they, they sort of do like a red herring where it's like, this is the actual murder that gets resolved, but then a whole other thing happens. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I think, I think the flashback stuff is very effective, um, I think, it, you know, they don't rely he- too heavily on it, but it's enough to keep the listener engaged and understanding of the story. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have Oscar and Zoe on here. Oscar uh, and Zoe were together at the time. Oscar, oh, Oscar's just a nice boy, right? Yeah, he's cool. He he did yoga in prison. He got certified. He's positive as fuck now. Um, I really like him. I thought him and Mabel were cute, right? Like, you could tell they're childhood friends. They're very comfortable around each other. Mm-hmm. And good chemistry. Zoe is a little freak. Yeah, Zoe's one of those people that it's like, oh, I see why you were murdered. Uh, <laughs> Zoe could have been a character in The Great Gatsby. Yes, she's extremely that. She's like, you know, sad, full of ennui, but also bitchy. Um, yeah, and uh, and obsessed with jewels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's ultimately uh, why she gets pushed off the, the top of the Arconia, unfortunately. Right, because um, Tim, Oscar, Zoe, and uh, I was going to call her Selena, Mabel, uh, when they would solve mysteries around the Arconia, they would break into people's apartments because Oscar was the son of the superintendent and got a copy of all the keys. They broke into Theo's and Teddy's apartment, which we'll get to Theo and Teddy in a second, took a green ring, and Teddy wanted that fucking ring back. And when uh, Theo went to get it, they got an argument, and uh, the ennui was overwhelming. She started kind of yelling at him and fell off the building. Well, got pushed. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you can really see, maybe don't have arguments near railings, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if you learn anything from this, don't get drunk and then have an argument near a railing. And that's, then start pushing somebody near a railing and get pushed back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the murderer. Jan. Jan's great. I, Jan is like probably my second favorite character in this. Oh, she rules. I want her concert dress. Yeah, no, she looked great. She looked great. I want the, the sleeves. This is a beautifully fitted waist. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's how you show up to a fucking symphony, Jan. I, I do have uh, some orchestra nerd complaints. I'm okay, going to make you sit go. through them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Uh, one. Finally. My 10 years of orchestra is useful. Uh, <laughs> when they pulled that oboe cleaner out of Tim's sex toy box, I knew what the fuck that was. It was a woodwind cleaner. It's a little, it looks like a cat toy. It's like on a long string and it's got like a brush on the end. It's to get all the, the spit and the gross out of your woodwind instruments. Um, and uh, uh, second of all, love that she was playing uh, Foray's Pavan. Well, she wasn't. It was a recording. But uh, love that song, sang it in choir a while back, one of my favorite jams. Uh, when Charles shows up to her orchestra concert, or her symphony concert, she is sitting where the cellos usually sit. And she was also sitting on the outside of the stand, which means she's a second chair, not a first chair. She lied to him. So I knew that before he figured it out, because the soloist was a young prodigy. But that's also not where oboists sit, typically. She was sitting on the very outside row. That is not, that's not where they sit. That did bother me, but that brings, that brings up a different, they cheat a lot of reality to make this show work. Like you and I are currently recording a podcast. We know that the way they were doing it would not be functional or listenable to. Their podcast audio would be (laughs) dog shit. (laughs) They're literally like running while recording on an iPhone with Mm -hmm. a boom mic in the doggies, uh, what is it called? Stroller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's insane. But uh, yeah, those are my orchestra kid complaints about her. Otherwise, a shout out to some, having some love on the bassoon, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jan is great. She's, uh, I like that she kept trying to accuse Howard of the murder. Like, what do you have against Howard, Jan? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's very interesting the the way that Jan was deployed because like, you know, for a lot of these kind of stories, like you, you, you can't just make it be like the the rando side character because that's not very interesting. Um, but like, it is nice to have the murder incorporated uh, into like the the main character bit for a while. And you know, I, I liked her relationship with with Charles. Right, I, I liked that that bit where they were um, you know talking about their their feelings for each other 
and you know the charles inability to open up and um you know her her whole thing is like being second to everyone that's her motivation for killing tim right is that she found out that he um had another relationship and that's why you know she had to go go kill him um but like yeah Which, i thought was he though did she know that for sure i don't i, the- I think yeah like i think she she found a ring in his apartment she found the ring that zoe stole yeah uh, in her he apart- bought that mm-hmm. trying to take down the demises yes exactly and like that's that's the irony of it all which i think is very good um but yeah, uh, you know, especially like I made this note when when we were I was finding out that she was actually the second uh, chair. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I would become a murderer too if a child showed me up. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'd never get into music. Children will show you the fuck up every yeah. time. Yeah, no, that's why I don't play violin anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think she she was a good character and, and was very well acted. And, you know, at the very end when she does like go full murder mode, like she like she was kind of like a weird, quirky, like, wow, this lady has a little bit too much energy um, and, 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 you know, her um, in her previous scenes. But like she becomes full, like scary murderer in the last bits, you know, quote unquote scary, like scary for this show. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a you know, it's not going to win an Emmy, but like, uh, I thought she was still very good. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think she was a good villain, and, and she was also fucking Tim Kono, which is very funny. <laughs> she was fucking Tim Kono. Uh, I thought that was great. I uh, I do like that she committed enough to stab herself. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that's how you commit to the bit. That's how you throw them off your trail. Stabbed um, herself and then washed off the knife and put it in her bathroom vent while stabbed. Yeah, that's hmm. pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I don't know. I feel like she probably should have just like kept the knife in her drawer somewhere and not mm. left it in the vent. I feel yeah. like that's a little bit silly, but you know, it's well, whatever. Well, so is it's... labeling her pillbox Jan's little toxins. Okay, which yeah, I thought that's, was great. That's fun. Yeah, you know, this this show's not that serious. Toxins but, you know, with a heart. With a heart off for the O, yes. <laughs> Extremely funny. Oh, she's great, and her last name is Bellows, which is... Sure. Yeah. Why the hell not? Sure. So Teddy and Theo Deem is my favorite celebrity cameo in here, which is fucking Nathan Lane. Oh, is that who Theo was? That's who Teddy was. I don't know who Nathan Lane is. Nathan Lane is the voice of Timon. Oh. Yeah. He's like giga famous. I know who Timon is. I don't know who Nathan Lane is. Mm, Wow. Interesting. Don't know how you've well, avoided it. If Nathan Lane intrigued. was in, in Kingdom Hearts too, then I probably would have known. Well, let's fucking uh, but, look. But Timon, no. Well, here's the thing. Timon was in Kingdom Hearts too. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't think they got Nathan Lane for Kingdom Hearts. Okay, let me. I'm just saying, Timon's face doesn't look like that. He was in the producers. Oh, I've seen the producers. Yeah, he was the evil one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, you know, the, their whole thing is that like. Um, you know, Teddy used to work alongside Oliver. He was like their his business partner. Um, but then because of his bad musicals, um, you know, he he lost a lot of money. Uh, but then Teddy goes ahead and becomes the um, you know, what do you call it? The sponsor for for only murders in the building, which is why they they call it Demas Chicken Wraps presents only murders in the building, which is extremely funny. Um, and um. You know, like, like they, it's, it's a weird, like, side mystery because it turns out that Teddy has been laundering, like, jewelry from the people who die in the building. And that's, he making, like, a small side hustle. I don't think it was just people who die in the building. I think he, he had a, uh, either owned or, uh, his son worked at a funeral home. And then after the viewing, he oh. would take the jewelry off the deceased and, uh, that's why he had all those urns from yes. the funeral home in his fucking this hidden closet. Yes, in the secret closet. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like that's the whole thing is that Theo, the son, was actually the person who pushed um, Zoe off the, the top of the building, you know, 10 years ago because, um, you know, he had a crush on her and she kind of like flirted with him. I mean, she heavily flirted with she, him. She like felt him up. Yeah, in an elevator, like because she's nasty. Um but then, like, a you know, freak. she's a freak. Like, listen, get it, girl. But, um, you know, with this, you know, she has this big argument with Oscar. Um, and then 
like at the end like when when theo comes up and he's like you know he he he, he's not good for you and and you know he's like okay can i have that ring back my dad's really upset because because the dad thinks that he like gave it to her um which is not the case uh and he you know doesn't want to be like yeah i mean she definitely robbed us um but like you know that's when they get in the fight and then you know she starts pushing him because she has like this entire like freak out and she's drunk and then um you know unfortunately she does get pushed off the roof of a building uh which yeah that'll happen but then to to cover it up basically he, he tells his dad teddy tells tim who is the only witness that um if he doesn't you know blame oscar then um maybe something bad will happen to him or mabel um which is which is why tim kept it a secret all these years and you know why this tragedy ultimately happened you know and ultimately um why tim tim died right because if if none of that had happened right that ring wouldn't have been, wouldn't have ended up uh back in his possession and you know jan wouldn't have uh, tried to kill him yeah, because he got obsessed with chasing uh, Nathan Lane's uh, jewelry side hustle subsidiary, mm-hmm. uh, Angel Inc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought they were great. I, I liked um, that they had multiple actors learn a bit of ASL for this. Yeah. Um, you don't see that very often. I'm not a good judge of whether or not it's good ASL, right? I've I only was exposed to it for like four years and I'm very clumsy with it. I can order a coffee. That's be polite. That's kind of the extent of it. If you know, if I'm checking out for groceries and the clerk at the till is deaf, I can be polite to them. That's all I got for you. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I thought that was nice. I liked, I really liked the episode we got from, from Theo's perspective. Uh, yes. I think that was really cool. It was cool. It barely had any dialogue in it. It was, well, Spoken dialogue. A lot of it was subtitled. You learned how good he is at reading lips. Um, you kind of learn that he hates everyone. He's pretty antisocial. Um, and like, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was a good perspective. It was. It was interesting. Um, I really liked. I like how how playful this entire show is. Right. It just mm-hmm. kind of like try shit. We, we're big fans of that around here. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you might as well have a weird quote-unquote artsy episode, right? Like, I guess the the thing that I'm thinking of is um, BoJack Horseman did an episode similar where they just, like, it was all, like, it was, it was all underwater, so there was no dialogue. Um, and, like, you know, people thought that that was, like, so, so cool and, and, and great. And, you know, it was it was interesting. I'm glad they tried it. But, like, I think this one does it a lot more effectively. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like that underwater and, episode. Yeah, it was a good episode, but um, yeah, you know, I I like uh, I don't know that Teddy's motivations. Are, I I think the the like jewelry side hustle business is weird. Um, I don't know that it makes like a whole lot of sense, but like it is it is kind of interesting that that is like the thing that ties uh, Tim back into the story, um, you know, and ultimately ends to his death. I think that's good. You know, I it gives it gives Theo motivation. You know, it, it gives Tim motivation. It gives Mabel motivation. So I think it works for, as a storytelling mechanism. If not, like a you know story doesn't make sense in the story as much, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, I think they were effective uh, effective villains. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and last one is uh, Detective Williams, who is a repeat offender on this podcast, played by Divine, who was Beth in The Lost City. Yeah, I mean, she's great. Like, the first introduction we get to her is, like, the three, um, like, sneaking up, trying to get into Tim's apartment. Um, and she's like, what fucking true crime bullshit are you hooked on, you fucking weirdos? Get the hell out of this investigation. Get out of this apartment. I hate you all so much. Yeah, uh, I we get a good episode from her uh, perspective, too, where uh, her and her wife are, like, arguing about what to name the baby. But she finds out that her wife is hooked on the only murders of the building the podcast mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and then that's what gets her to go back in and, and realize that like one she is spending just as much time at the office as the investigator she exactly does not want to become who has like no life and no friends mm-hmm. um and two that uh the toxicology report for tim kono and his cell phone never went to tox or it and that's what gets her to not officially reopen the investigation, but perhaps illegally give the phone over to the true crime podcasters, um, mm. which works great in a TV show, not in real life. 
Yeah, no. Um, you shouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> listen, ACAB, but also... <laughs> yeah, ACAB um, for pulling over a woman and then being like, oh, I'm yes. gonna marry her someday. Yes, f- f- fuck Detective Williams for that. <laughs> um, but also, you know, like, it's, it is very funny to be like, well, the police are useless, so we're gonna hand it over to podcasters now. Um, but, you know... I think that I really liked that episode about her and her wife um, because it does like really set up her motivation for trying to help the investigation because like there's so much um, stuff going on with her at home uh, you know and like they're they're they're, like having this argument about you know Detective Williams is like trying to quit smoking which is very hard and also has a very stressful job and her wife is just like I just want you to be here Um, and you know like Detective Williams and her wife have this conversation and eventually she's like okay you know what there is there is something that i missed because and my wife was able to alert me to this because of the podcast you know maybe you know i don't want to lose my job so i'm not gonna like you know actually investigate further but i am gonna help these people out and like it does set up like that that's that's for me a motivation that works for for this kind of story um and i'm glad they did vote in enough time um to telling that story i thought that was nice yeah uh overall there were a couple moments where i was like oh this show's really really fun um at some point they were trying to figure out who tim was sleeping with and they were like martin short had this whole he him they them they him him they (laughs) i thought that was really cute um yeah they did a lot of they did a lot of fun stuff with with storytelling um and like i'm glad that like as as corny as it sounds to say, like I'm glad it was a quote unquote like diverse show, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I I, th- I don't know that that's. Listen, th- there's definitely shows that like try to do diversity and fail, but like this one, it just felt like like you can't do a story about New York and then have it be only white people and then a couple token you know people of color. And I feel like you know the the very the p- various people of color in this story like you know feel real and not like they were just kind of schlepped in there. Especially the therapist who now takes crypto. Yes, that guy was. <laughs> That that dude was unfortunately very real. Uh, that dude was unfortunately also maybe one of the funniest characters. Hysterical. Um, all the side characters are are very good in the way that like you kind of expect from like a, a story that takes place in New York is that everybody's a little bit um, batshit. As they should be. Um, As they should be. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, speaking of batshit. Yeah. Speaking of uh, other characters that maybe didn't work so well for us. Uh, so, this show is, uh, very much, uh, hey, holy shit, look at all these celebrity cameos, which, hey, a lot of them I really liked, right? They got Jabuki, Young White. That was incredible when I found that. I was like, that dude's Jabuki? That's fucking Jabuki. When I saw him. (laughs) (laughs) Jabuki. Jabuki parentheses, just because we killed J- MLK doesn't mean we can't miss him uh, from Twitter. Um, uh, more famously from The Daily Show, but yes, Jabuki from Twitter. No, not, not for me. Not for you, no. Jabuki for this extremely online motherfucker over here, Jabuki from Twitter. Um, doesn't know who Nathan Lane is, but can quote Jabuki tweets. Um, Man, I hate that. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> what that says about me. Uh, my favorite one was Jane Lynch, uh, who played Steve Martin's stud. <laughs> <laughs> Who's also a woman, and they're like, oh, you're a... That's oh, very very progressive for the early 90s. Uh, <laughs> also stole uh, his girlfriend? <laughs> yes, so funny. <laughs> Jane Lynch has just such a like a withering way of delivering lines. Mm-hmm. I've loved her since Glee. Okay, I was an original mm-hmm. Gleek. Like, man, I her- hate that we share that. <laughs> Ew! Listen, the, the fucking that- entertainment was a, a troubling, troubling. S- <laughs> the early 2010s were uh, a wasteland, and we were just teenagers, baby. <laughs> we were just teenagers, and it was so rare to see theater kids recognized. Thank yes. you, Ryan Murphy, I guess. Also, uh, for people who are not familiar with Glee, I do want to just really quick, Mike's Mike on YouTube just did like four and a half hours summarizing all of Glee. Maybe some of the most engagement, engaging uh, internet content I've seen. Okay, please put that in the in the show notes for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I will DM it to you directly. <laughs> But um, yeah, and then there was you know there was a bunch uh, there's a bunch of other people again. We said Sting was in it. Um, 
There was, oh God, there were so many. I feel like every episode there was someone new, but I just binged it, so my memory's not all that great. We do want to talk about one person. So there is the the true crime podcast that they're all friends with. Uh, they all became friends over is called um, it, Something's Not Okay in Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I think that's it. Um, and it's hosted by Cinda Canning, um, who is like the whoever hosted um, Serial. She's like that. Um, she's like a weird, like, I don't know, NPR type, but also like true crime queen. So she's played by Tina Fey. Um, and we've, we've talked about some Tina Fey properties on this show before, specifically with Mean Girls. Um, and like, listen, I think, uh, you know, her character works completely well. We're, we're, you know, that's, that's the character that you kind of want is to be like, kind of like a, like a hot, not a hot shot, but like kind of like a conceited, um, like podcast uh, empire person like that's you know how, how we aspire to be um once once mortified um gets that great sponsorship that we've been waiting for um but like uh yeah i just <clears throat> i just don't like tina fey because of the racism yeah when did you sour on her uh, probably around the time when we uh, watched Mean Girls, and then I had to reckon with Tina Fey's re- legacy, and there's a lot of stuff about her, especially with her writing in um, in um, 30 Rock, and, and like, apparently, I think you told me about this, but she did an episode that was very much like, I can't be, it's, it's not racist if a black person does it, and it's like, Tina, you didn't. You didn't need to do this. Um, yeah, so that's an episode, <clears throat> that, that was when I soured on her, that's an episode of Kimmy Schmidt, is that what that show's called? Uh, which I really liked season one of, um, but this episode in season two was kind of the last straw for me. It was uh, basically the uh, black character whose name escapes me wanted to do a geisha show, a one-man geisha show, and so he dressed up as a geisha, and the whole message of it was that, it, it, like, why do people care if, like, characters of color are miscast? Basically... It's okay that Scarlett Johansson is in Ghost in the Shell kind of message, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, I don't like, I don't like the way you think, lady. Um, and like, I, we haven't covered it, but Mean Girls the Musical just did not translate well. Like, I think Inc- Mean Girls the Musical and Heather's the Musical were kind of up around the same time. Heather's is a little bit earlier. Heather's does a really great job of translating the film. It, it does a really good good job of like trimming down the fat on the film and and telling just a really concise engaging kind of black satire or dark satire uh and then mean girls the musical is just like a hollow lifeless echo of the movie and the music is bad and it's not charming and it's not good and i kind of only like two songs so um yeah i just i don't know what's going on with tina fey but i'm not a huge fan of it um so seeing her on the screen always just kind of like whatever right she, i don't think she's an awful person but i'm like really <laughs> you're here too uh, yeah it's sort of the same way that i feel about like james corden which is like oh he, he's like a person that got famous but also has like kind of some like shitty backstory and like just like is in way too many things for the the quality of performance he gives and it's just like uh, okay i'm kind of over him um so it, it, you know not not a fan. It, it seems like she's going to be a, play a big part in season two because like her whole thing is she's going to be doing a podcast about the podcast because uh, at the end of season one, you know they they all rush down and get arrested because um you know uh, Selena Gomez slash Mabel um like accidentally presumably murders their um their supervisor their superintendent uh, Bonnie Bunny Bunny um. So like that's that's she's like making a podcast called Only Murderers in the Building, um, and like I just eh, I'm not so interested in seeing Tina Fey smugly narrate several episodes. Uh, one is enough for me. Yeah, um, hopefully she's not in it too too much. I haven't really looked at the IMDb. I'm sure it won't be too much. I'm sure it won't hamper your enjoyment of it. But like for me, it's like ah, I'm not that interested. And that that also leads into our next or my next talking point. You're just gonna have to sit through this. Um, but like. I don't love that the show started with season two in mind. Like the the show opens with the end of 
this, you know, of, of the episode 10, which is, like, a thing that was sent to set up season two, um, which, like, you know, th- th- with them all coming up in on Mabel over this body. And, like, I, I don't I, I don't like that as a storytelling choice. I wish that they had just kept it contained to season one. Um, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of season two does seem like it is just like, you know, this is a show that knew it was going to have more than one season, um, right? Because there's a whole apparently side love interest with Cara Delevingne, um, which like is fine. I'm glad that they're going to be doing that. I'm glad that they're going to be talking about, you know, they're going to be making um, Mabel like a bisexual, like openly bisexual character. Um, I think that, I mean, that's all well and good, but like as, as somebody who, you know, is constantly railing against the franchisation of media. Um, you know, maybe that's not the right point. You know, maybe, maybe this is, this is a different point. It's not having a second season is not a franchise, but it does not a franchise make, but you know, I, I, I think I would have just liked this story more if it was contained to the one, one season and, and seeing how far ahead they, they had planned that out kind of bums me out. That's not saying that any of it is bad, but I just it's it's kind of a taste thing for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I'm okay with the season 2 of it all being planned. I would actually rather for a show like this, I would actually rather know that they had an idea for season 2 at the beginning at the outset rather than feel like, "Oh, it's successful. Let's mm-hmm. think of a season 2." That's fair. Um one, two, I I also I'm I think contained anything less than three seasons to me or less than four seasons to me feels contained. You know what I mean? Like a three season show, if it's planned for three seasons, that's fine to me. I think Mm -hmm. it's when you get into 30 rock in the office territory where it just keeps fucking going. Yeah. Supernatural. Americans don't know how to end shows. Um, Mm I, I mean, mean, we we talk about anime on this program all the time. Uh, we're looking at you, Mr. Oda from One Piece. Like, I'm sure you've been true. doing great, but like that that anime should have ended maybe ten years ago. Bleach doesn't know how to end. Even a lot of Naruto Shippuden does not need to be there. Doesn't need to be there. Yeah, that's fair. But I I think I meant more like live action comedies don't know how mm-hmm. to end. I feel like yes, that's a different. 100%. That's a different brand i mean you know, like how many seasons did fucking friends run for right like this is a thing that's been going on for forever right um, it's not like steve martin is getting new superpowers every season that would be funny right i i yes i want steve martin to have a fucking transportation secrets yeah i want him to, to blow up the planet Namek. Yeah. um <laughs> uh that would be hey hire us hulu um uh. Yeah, I'm actually going to watch season two just because this was like a fun light watch for me while I was doing a shit ton of laundry, right? Like, I wasn't wholly paying attention to it. I wasn't like wholly invested. Um, it was just a good fun time. Um, and I can actually, I can ignore Tina Fey. I'm a big fan of Steve Martin is the thing. Ah. So um, I will be, I like, I like that he uses anything he's in as an excuse to play in an instrument on camera. Uh, this time around was the concertina, uh, which is an instrument I am actively hunting. If anybody's got an English one with 32 keys, fucking hit me up. <laughs> I might, especially if it's black, I'll buy it. Um, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been trying to hunt down a used one for, for a minute. Um, but yeah, I thought this was, this was enjoyable. The thing, the thing. I think that soured me towards the end is our next talking point is I don't understand where this show lands on true crime because it seemed like it actually was kind of making fun of true crime for most of it. And then at the end, it was like it brought us all together. I was like, are you talking about this specific story or are you trying to make a point about true crime? That's the thing. I don't think it has a stance on true crime. I think it is just trying to be like you know these these things are funny this these things about people who listen to podcasts are funny and like you know i i think it is lampooning it but like because it is a comedy because it is supposed to end on a light-hearted note i think it's just like and then we all came together and it was nice like i i truly think think it doesn't it is using the the true crime framing and you know trying to make some jokes but nothing more like i really don't think it's that invested in, in talking about the you know history or ideology of true crime podcasts yeah that's fair uh, that was the only part where I was like, I don't know. I do wonder what we're, if we're missing anything, having not listened to a bunch of true crime, at least the major That's ones, true. Like if there's, That's if true. there's we, references. We could have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, as, as a true, as a true crime hater, um, uh, not, not in the sense that I hate all true crime, but a hater as in, I drink a lot of haterade about it. Um, 
not that I talk about it very often, but yeah. Listen, if you want a true crime uh, stand, go check out uh, the Bible Boys. Where, of course, uh, um, one of our Bible Boys. It's Michael. Of course, it's Michael. It's fucking um, Michael. It, it, it is a big true crime uh, fan, so you can get all your true crime over is. on the Bible Boys. Um, but <laughs> speaking of the Bible Boys. <laughs> Um, another extremely important question that you've brought up in our show notes is, um, who would Selena Gomez play on the Prince of Egypt? Listen, <laughs> Steve Martin and Martin Short were the fucking priests in the Prince of exactly, Egypt. Exactly, right. They did Playing with the Big Boys Now, which is a banger. Mm-hmm. I love that song. One of the um, best songs of that, yeah. Who would Selena Gomez play? So. If they're a trio <sighs> now, I have to know. Yeah, here's the thing. I would love for her just to be a third weird priest, but I don't know that that's... <laughs> I don't know. She could, she could do... I don't know. Like, maybe she could be, like, the the head priestess and, like, sick her, like, you know, kind of dumb lapdogs on on uh, Moses. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that... Like, I don't want her to play, like, Miriam. I don't really want her to play, pay, play Pharaoh's wife. Um, uh, I do want her just to have kind of, like, a funny side bit. Really? Because my, my thought was Miriam. I mean, she could do it. Don't, I think don't get she me could wrong. Do it. Oh, listen. We're all talking. Nobody was cast accurately in this show, right? Oh, in, no. in this movie. Everyone in Prince of Egypt is white. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're just kind of riffing here. Yeah, I think I think perhaps um, either a priest's apprentice or perhaps some sort of... Maybe she did some mummification or like took care of some dead bodies. I think that would be fun too. Yeah, I think yeah, she has that kind know. of withering capability. Although I would love the Prince of Egypt spinoff where Selena Gomez and her two her two um, priests have to raise her to fight the Hebrew god Yahweh. I think that would be a great. <laughs> anime spinoff of the prince of egypt yeah similar to that jesus and buddha anime that was going around for a minute yeah i think there's enough you're gonna have to tell me that off air because that's going to that's gonna be on my whole weekend oh they're roommates (laughs) okay that rules never mind that's incredible that's all i need to know uh great it's 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 a fun time so uh eric you have a you have a, a similarly bonkers uh marketing minute here yeah it's just like you know this seems like something that, because Steve Martin was the creator of the show. Al- and John with, Hodgman. Oh, with John Hodgman? Yeah, they covered John it, I think. Hoffman. Oh, is it Hoffman? Yes. Um, but, like, um, you know, Steve Martin had a big role in this. And, like, I don't want to be mean. This is not a slight against Mr. Martin. But, like, it does seem like he's kind of, like, done doing, like, huge, incredible roles. Like, you know, uh, my understanding of Steve Martin is, like, he was very popular in the, you know, for, for for me like mid 90s to you know mid 2000s like i know him from you know of course prince of egypt by also but also cheaper by the dozen for yep. some reason yeah uh, a show that i don't think was very good if but movies. i did see it the, a series of movies oh okay so it's a series okay i think i only remember seeing the one uh and that was in like 2006 so who the fuck knows but um you know, it seems like Steve Martin is, is kind of just, like, at a place in his career where he can do whatever he wants. Um, and, like, that's why he has all these, like, incredible cameos and, like, just chilling with Martin Short and Selena Gomez. Um, and, like, yeah, like, I was thinking, you know, Layla, once you've, you know, you've done your magnum opuses, you know, you, you've you done Tuesdays with Bernie the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, With a real course. Yeah, like you know, you think that you know probably your best projects are behind you, but you still you still have like a lot of time and money and prestige to like just kind of fuck around. You know, what fun indulgent projects with your famous friends would you like to try? Um, so when you say my best projects are behind me, I'm assuming you mean when we're famous Disney executives. Yeah, this is like afterwards, like you yeah. know, this is after we've done Disney Renaissance two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, I want to do a um. a comedic documentary about our rise um Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do i want to executive produce that um and so i have a sub question which is Mm -hmm. who would you like to play you um in that (sighs) see this is uh always a problem with me because like i have to go and google names of indian actors (laughs) um and like uh i think i've said dev patel before but like i feel like dev patel's like a little too old like i don't know he'd, he'd have to change his facial hair a little bit um 
I feel like I, I no Calpen does not look anything like me at all. I mean, to be fair, neither does Def Patel. Um, but um, you know, I, I just want you know, like some some uh, some brown guy, basically. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know if you have any any recommendations, but uh, I don't know if I have any recommendations. Um, I myself am hoping maybe one of the Kardashian children will grow up to have like an acting <gasps> oh. career. Interesting. Um, listen, I gotta get Armenians employed. L- yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I mean like for me, like the actual true answer is um, um, Ifran Khan, but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately he he passed away. Um, but you we know. can hologram him in. Yeah, exactly. Right, I'm sure he sold his rights to some. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll pay his estate billions. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, that would be. I would love to be <laughs> played by a weird hologram. That would be uh, incredible. Um, what about you? But, what's your What's your self indulgent past your prime project? We'll <sighs> say past your physical prime because I feel like Steve Martin's doing great. <laughs> I mean, fucking Steve Martin had an incredible like five minute th- sequence where he like flopped around on his back. Yeah, like, knees of steel on the man. Yeah, like, that dude does not seem like he's out of his physical prime yet. I could no. not do that shit. Um, yeah, um, god, I, huh, I, the thing is that, like, it would be the Kingdom Hearts musical, but, like, that's probably gonna be part of our rise to power in Disney exec, um, form. It'll be covered in my documentary for sure. Yeah, yeah. It might it might be something weird. It might be like a weird um <sighs> I feel like there's definitely room for like uh, a slate of tabletop RPG comics, like a story about the the tabletop RPG scene and I can just hire all my my famous uh friends who are artists to 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 illustrate that and that would be very fun. That would be very fun. Now I'm just thinking about uh, the fact that if we pitched a Kingdom Hearts musical to Squeenix, I think we could do it. I think there's a market for it. Yeah, it's people who like Kingdom Hearts because they're all queer um, theater kids, is my understanding. They are, but I mean, listen, we've covered the Death Note musical. Those, those are, they're good. They're good. I yeah. Listen, I'm watching the Ace Attorney ones right now, and I don't know nothing about Ace Attorney. I've never played them. I think they're the most delightful thing I've ever seen. Speaking of physical comedy. I agree. No, I mean the Kingdom Hearts music that that's built. The numbers are built in. It's just the worlds, right? Like that's not that's not hard. No, um, but I think we could do an like a three fifty eight over or not three fifty eight. Uh, no, three fifty eight. I think we could do an organization uh, thirteen centered one where we don't have to oh, do the worlds. That I just want. I just want an organization thirteen like um, office comedy. Yeah, that's that's the TV <laughs> show that I want. Actually, yeah, I want uh, that shitty motivational Plus. posters. <laughs> I want the scene where it, like, fucking Demix gets called in, and he's just, like, looking around at all the shitty, terrible motivational posters, um, and then there's, like, god, there's, like, one of those little, like, click-clack-a-balls on, on, on Zemnis's desk, uh, and he, like, goes to, like, play with it, and then Zemnis comes in, he's just like, and, uh, god, that'd be great. I want the Lark um, scene, Regina George scene, where she has a burn book and photocopies the pages and throws it all around Castle Oblivion. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. God, so much, so much potential with Organization Thirteen, uh, but unfortunately, we've derailed our episode by talking about Kingdom Hearts again. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think that means we've we've ramped it back to where it's supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is where uh, all all roads lead to Kingdom Hearts here at Mortified Inc. Um, Layla, when we are not trying to um, give away just like billions and billions of dollars of the greatest concepts uh, the Disney Corporation has ever heard. Uh, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, I did just post something very cute. I posted, uh, an entire, a very small screenshot of the entire timeline of my webcomic. I spent, uh, like five hours in a daze just scripting out the whole thing. Um, so there's movement on that, which is very fun. Hopefully I'll actually be able to work on it soon. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RBGs, uh, health policy, and writing. Um, I will have, uh, the day this episode drops, I will have a new tabletop RPG review slash personal essay out. It's about the game Clean Spirit, but it's also about my last three moves and how that my relationship uh, with that text influenced my feelings about my moves. Um, 
it's sad. <laughs> it's a big surprise. Um, but uh, that'll be, if you're interested in that, uh, check that out. Um, I've got another podcast that we just referenced that's at The Bible Boys, where me and my ex-evangelical friends, Michael and Josh, uh, talk about Christian media and either praise or condemn it. Uh, not sure what we're doing this week, but I'm sure it'll be spectacular. Uh, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmakers Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, as we, uh, you know, play our, our duet out with our listeners, um, what do we want to leave them with? Just the thought that the concertina can be very haunting. We'll see you all next week. Oh, God, really? That was an hour? Yeah.